I'm Chase, and you're listening to The Angry Millennial, and I don't know how I got here. I don't know why I'm in this room or what they just fed me, but you're listening to The Angry Millennial. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to The Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Borrow Lenses. Bring your vision to life with the gear you want when you need it. Don't deplete your resources by investing in gear you may only need once in a while. Instead, grow your business by using high-end gear before you can afford to own it. I know for me, for many years starting out, this is how I got the shots I needed with the glass I couldn't afford at the time. And plus, it's great for trying before you buy. With thousands of rental lenses, cameras, lighting, and all the tools to trade for hobbyists and pros alike. Get to use specialty gear such as underwater cameras or telephoto lenses for that once-in-a-lifetime adventure without a huge investment. You can choose the gear you want, tell them when you want it and for how long, and they'll ship the gear directly to you. You can book far in advance and secure all the gear you'll need. Visit BorrowLenses.com and enter AM10 to redeem your exclusive 10% Angry Millennial discount. What's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show. Today, we have Nikon ambassador, speaker, and host of the Redefined Show, Tamara Lackey. Tamara, thanks for coming out. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I know recently, I think the closest time we were crossing paths was uh, last month at WPPI in Vegas. Yes, exactly. How, how, I think we're that, trying to make it work there, but it's yeah, still insane. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So how'd that go for you? I mean, how, let's get into it a little bit. Everyone we've we've kind of either met there or maybe bumped into there, I always ask them, how long have you been going? Um, because I know for me, even as a portrait photographer, this is my first year, and, and I've known about it for years and just mm. never went. Knew all the benefits, hated yeah, the crowds. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the show huh. has made me kind of push my comfort zone, that kind of thing. So we went and loved it. So how? when did you start that decision to kind of start going? And maybe tell me a little bit about also when did it start becoming more of a, um, a let's just say, a marketing tool for your studio? Uh, so I started going 10 years ago, wow. which is nuts. Yeah. Um, and the very first time I went, it was kind of a... Um, uh, spur of the moment decision. I'd been working alone and, you know, and I kind of thought, wouldn't it be neat to see all these things in a physical room that I'm yeah. just seeing on the internet? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I went out without knowing anybody and going by myself mm-hmm. and gosh, was it 10 years? It might even been 11 years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I ended up having, um, an amazing educational experience. Like I went to every class and I went and touched like every product at the expo and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I love the energy of it, but mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really know anyone. It was ab- absolutely not a social experience whatsoever. Right. <laughs> you know, it was right. a lot of like pretending you're looking at your phone, you know, in case you walk <laughs> by and see you standing there alone. Um, and uh, and eventually that became something where um, 
the, uh, gosh, I even think maybe that was, not even thinking about it, I think I was actually pretending to be on phone calls. That's <laughs> 11 years ago. <laughs> so, but um, it ended up being something where over time, you know, obviously I became more connected and I started speaking. Um, I think my first speaking engagement there was in 2009. Okay. Wow. So yeah, seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so I've been coming back to speak every year and then, and every year it really does become uh, more intense and busier and more mm-hmm. uh, presentations and programs and um, demos and all, all that right. sort of thing. And, and yeah. this year it was the first time I have ever uh, co-hosted the award show. And that was, so that made it a whole oh, different wow. thing, which was really fun too. I got to admit we first year, I'll be fuck up. I think one of them was the scheduling. I went out there on Thursday or Friday thinking like, oh, we'll get there early. That's when everyone hangs out. No. Right, right. <laughs> everyone gets there like on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Oh, so I we know. had two days where it wasn't even like anything we could do fun stuff. It was just like, uh, let's just catch yep. up on sleep and get ready. So yeah. I and so I had to come back to teach a class. Um, so I missed the award ceremony. But I definitely, years forward, I'll know, okay, come Saturday, Sunday, stay, yeah, yeah. stay later, not come so early. But that was great. So how how was that for you? It, it was a blast. It was really fun. I did uh, co-host it with Jerry Gionis, who's done it a number of times cool. in the past. He's yep. a good friend of mine. And the prepping for it was just as fun as the actual, you know, just sat there and just went through scripts. and Because you just start from zero and say, okay, yeah. let's come up with five minutes of funniness, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 or, yeah. or whatever the case might be. And then we need two more minutes here, and then we need three minutes here. And um, so I, I actually love the whole experience. It That's felt um, just really cool. But, I, you know, I, I would say my first few years in even going to WPI, I didn't go to the award show either. I was just like, right. I don't really want to go to award show. Right, right, um, right, right. The first time I went was just because a bunch of friends were going, and I thought I'd go with them. And then we'd go out afterwards yep. and I was surprised at how nice it was, like how just what, what a community feel that the whole thing had. Right. And I mean, that's something I, I want to touch upon too. I mean, you've been there, you were an OG, right? I mean, so you've seen this show grow from venue to venue, more event, you know, the, the award ceremony I'm sure has gotten much more of an elaborate thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, what's, what's that kind of been like? Has it kind of been cool to see the whole progression? It has been cool. You know, the, I, I've loved it at the, cause I think initially it was at the Valleys the mm-hmm. first year yep. I went mm-hmm. and, and then, and now, you know, it's been at the MGM for a while, which I have loved, but mm-hmm. next year, obviously it's going to change to a new, new yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and I just don't want to leave the signature. Like I love staying at the signature. <laughs> it's just like the nicest setup. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the other great you know, aspect of that whole experience is everybody just you know, put gets together. Mm-hmm. Whereas most things like Photo Plus uh, mm-hmm. Expo, I love in New York and things like that. But you don't really have that whole everyone's in the same place, right. and you kind of just have to hang out. Everybody meets up at that bar or that right. restaurant, or that right. place. Yeah. Um, that's tougher to do in New York City. Yeah, and plus you figure a lot of people are from there, so they're not staying in the same hotel, going to the same bars. They're like, oh, come by the studio, come by right, there, right, wherever. So yeah, it kind of yeah. spreads things out a little bit. Right. All right, so let's get into it. Tell us for you a bit about how it all started. Were you always creative? Um, Did photography come first? Uh, Photography did not come first, although creativity did. I I actually studied mass communications and specifically broadcast journalism um, and art history in school. But then I, yeah, and I loved it. And, um, but I graduated with a heaping amount of student loans to pay back. And the highest paying offer I had was from Accenture, which is a management consulting firm, mm-hmm. where I would join them. And I mean, I didn't know 
how to even do a spreadsheet or anything, but I got hired to be that person. Right. Um, cause they just, they, their mentality is they'll just train you. Right. And, and I ended up doing that, um, for a few years mm. before finally going into photography. And I'm really grateful for that business experience. Cause I don't think I would have voluntarily gone after it and yeah. it's made a huge difference in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I would say I, I had always been in creative and interested in creative pursuits, but photography didn't come until um, after actually my daughter was born. Oh, wow. My, my little girl was born, and I was so frustrated at how crappy my photos were. <laughs> um, and that just was a major incentive to just get better at that. So um, photography went from there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think for I think that very few people are lucky enough to say, oh, yeah, I had a camera in my hand since I was six, right? I know yeah, for me, it I was did not. <laughs> 20, 24, 22, right there. Yeah, and, yeah. and I thought that was late. And then I talked to some people like, you know, Joe Busing, we talked to WPPI. He didn't pick up a camera until 45. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So wow. it's, yeah. And look at Jeremy Cowart. Um, who else? Jeremy Cowart and P- Peter Hurley, post 30. Yeah, yeah, Peter. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Joe was 45 and, and just won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Imagine yeah, that, right? Imagine, yeah, that's so cool. You know, so so it, to me, it's it's pretty neat. And I think the, the, the overarching like staple to all of that is I think the reason why more people are very, let's just say, more successful and happen to have started later is because you have life experience. You know, you had mm, kids, you yeah. had all this stuff, you had these jobs, and then you're able to use all that life experience to go, okay, I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do it well, but I'm going to take a good crack at it. Where yeah. people, when they do it as a kid, you, there's a lot more emotion uh, tied into it and the art of it. And maybe it just kind of hinders people a little bit. Yeah. And I think, I think not having um, an, a mindset for business and not making up for it by hiring a business manager is something that can hold you back more than you'd ever guess. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that's not something that you, um, have spent a lot of time with, you know, so that too. Uh, but also I think being, um, a little bit more clear about, um, having seen a lot of work, you know, I, Mm -hmm. like I said, I studied art history, which is more paintings and sculpture and things like that. But, um, lighting. (laughs) right, right. Right. Like that has an impact. Yeah. Yeah, You you look at things differently. Um, so yeah, I think that's all pretty, pretty fascinating stuff actually, but I certainly was not born with a camera in my hands or anything like that. Yeah. Right, right. So tell me, so you you kind of came, like you said, you came into it as a mother and saying, I see a need. I want to fill this void of crappy photography for kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a, you know, as a professional, you've been, you had this great working relationship with Nikon as an ambassador. Um, so tell us, how did that come about for you? Because obviously there's, there's a lot of times we might even say, okay, I've seen her work and okay, I've seen the progression. Oh, wow, now they're an ambassador and that's great to all these big brands. But tell me, was it was it kind of like the WPPI kind of model where you sit there and go, okay, I'm going to these shows, I'm meeting with reps, I'm meeting with people, and you start developing those kind of those relationships through rapport? Um, or was it, you know, again, more, more due to maybe your business manager or having that business acumen? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think a, a few factors are at play. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost... Most of what I did, you know, when it kind of you look backwards and you think, was there a plan? I didn't really have a plan. I certainly right. didn't want to become a speaker, or I just had. Some people say that early on in their career. I didn't have that. Right. Um, I was very excited about writing a book, which mm-hmm. I wrote about five years into photography. I decided to put together an outline nice. and pitch it, 
and um, and I ended up getting you know finally published another gosh year and a half a year after that or something. But um, it was called The Art of Children's Portrait Photography. And, um, and because I wrote that, people asked me to speak on it to, um, to promote it. So mm-hmm. and small kind of like, you know, small things here and there. And I realized, gosh, I don't really suck at that. You know? So <laughs> that's actually right. interesting. I wouldn't have necessarily done that otherwise. Right. Um, and it was kind of like that so to another thing, to another thing. And, and it ended up kind of being what this is now. But I didn't have any sort of trajectory. Um, it planned in advance. But in terms of the Nikon thing, I think part of it was, again, not on purpose, but I ended up building a really strong niche in um, in not just children's photography, but a really strong focus on expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I talk to people all the time who say they're trying to figure out how to stand out in a saturated market. Um, but a lot of what they're doing is looking around and seeing what everybody else is doing and trying to emulate that. Trying to copy. And I'm like, I don't know how you stand out that way. What you're trying to do is fit in. Um, and so I, I really didn't do that. Not, not for a purposeful reason, but more because I was so focused on trying to get better myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and what that ended up enabling me to be is, is kind of a, um, a voice and a focus in that, in that genre and um, so you go to a company like Nikon, and they don't necessarily want to bring on somebody who does everything. They right. kind of want people who really know their thing. Yeah. Um, and and I'd shot Canon my whole career, um, and 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 like literally had never shot with a Nikon camera other than you know I do private workshops, and someone might hand me their Nikon, and I would mm-hmm. try to figure out a, a function for them on their their camera. But um, the very first time I actually shot with Nikon, I just literally was a casual weekend thing. I w- I just the feel of it, my hands, the ergonomics, I really was surprised. Um, You know, it really did surprise me. And then I went on um, my first commercial paid shoot where I brought that and my regular system with Mm me. And even though I shot more with the regular system, about three quarters of the shots I turned in were were from shot with an icon. Mm. Um, and, and part, and that's without even knowing the gear that well yet. But I just, I was struck by the sharpness of the files, the dynamic range, et cetera. And, um, and this isn't even a pro Nikon thing other than, you know, when the question is why, how did it evolve into the ambassador thing? Right. Um, I was very, I expressed a lot of my passion and excitement for it because it was genuine and, and made a difference right. in my yeah. work, yeah, for you know? Sure. Um, and then, so, you know, I think I had about a year of conversations without knowing where that would or wouldn't go. go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then when they actually asked if I would, um, join as an Nikon ambassador, I think I cried and squealed a little, <laughs> little bit <laughs> That's and awesome. then you know no but i was crazy excited and i still am crazy excited i literally just re-upped for the third year oh, wow. um last week so oh, that's awesome yeah. very timely of our conversation then uh, um yeah so I, I'm, I'm an icon shooter myself and you know uh it's it's been so like one thing i, I you know I, i've noticed that to me at least i think that nikon's are doing a lot over the last few years with like listening to the feedback of the working professionals to see what they want out of their cameras. And, and like you said, your third year, you know, how has that been for you and your workflow with your gear? I mean, I know some people, it's a different relationship with everyone. With some people, they're all about the beta testing, you know, they'll, they'll be like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is what worked is what didn't I broke this. I broke that and directly having a hand in it. And for some others, it's just like, you know, they, they might reach out to you and say, well, okay, what do you like? What you don't like? And, and you just give them your verbal feedback. Um, so h- how has that been for you and kind of your workflow? Yeah. So on a couple of different factors, you know, as, as, as a pro, um, we've had these Nikon summits where everybody, mm-hmm. all the ambassadors meet in at Nikon headquarters, or at least the U.S. one in New York. 
And um, we literally have sat and met with the, talked with engineers and they've said, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to see more of? Um, and um, from last year to this year, I remember saying um, a year ago that I would love instant shareability from these mm-hmm. DSLRs. Not yeah. the, I mean, you have the Wi-Fi enabled, but you've got to then yeah. connect it to your phone. And then by the time it gets through, you know, and, and even though you can technically do it, I'm, I mean, the idea is how do I have the same sort of shareability that I have with uh, my phone, but obviously right. with the the quality of the DSLR. Um, and this year, they're coming out with SnapBridge. I think it's actually technically out, but it's coming out in the new D5 and the D500. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that's instant shareability. Like wow. you set it up one time, and it just threads. That's it just amazing. Goes. Yeah, because that yeah, was a big thing. Like cool. you look at like you just said it. Yeah, you had it in theory. I have mm-hmm. a D4, and I'm going. I spent six grand on this camera. Yeah. And if I want to do that, I have to buy an $800 add-on. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like, right, I right. feel like there's a disconnect. And then you look at like what Sony's been able to do and, and how they, I have an, I have an old a seven, even that is not, it, again, it has the function, mm-hmm. but then you sit there and say, okay, execution wise, is it, yeah. I'm pretty tech savvy. And if I'm still struggling and it's not yeah. working right, it's, it's failed. Exactly. Um, so to see them kind of doing it, I think that's really neat because let's be honest, why do you think a lot of us have our phone and our camera out all the time is because I'll take a, a picture, but I'll take it again on my phone because I want to share it right away. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people sucks, Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and if we can make that a little bit easier, yeah, mm-hmm. I think now we're going to, we're foraying into like, you know, with everything being, um, uh, immediate right streaming of everything you know whether it's you know periscope or snapchat or whatever it's okay i don't want to sit there and say it's a great shot go home call go through edit put you know what i mean so yeah. it's like if you can then say hey here's a great behind the scenes shot of what i've been shooting and you can immediately put that on your on your platforms and kind of get that out there hey why the hell not you know yeah. it, it definitely makes makes it a lot easier so that's really neat that they they literally sat the engineers in the room and said all right let's let's kind of Let's kind of dig into each other and say, well, this is possible. This is not. Yeah. This is well, cause, workable. Because they wanted to say, they were like, you know, here's some really great things we can build with technology, but how are you actually using it? You know right. what I mean? Right. Like <laughs> right. that that's not all the same thing. Um, and uh, and yeah, and and yeah, so that, that I mean the other thing too is they put a really strong focus on ISO capabilities. Yes. Um, simply because a lot of pros have been saying, myself included, that you know, you want to be able to have a lot more leverage with the mm-hmm. body alone before adding light and all that sort of thing. Right. Um and uh I mean I was just and, and the, the the new D five, I mean, it's insane. It's oh, three yeah. point two million ISO. Oh, yeah. Like I can't even quite trigger that, even yeah. though I've actually played with it and seen yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but the um uh you know, a year ago, and I know we're gonna talk about uh, we chatted earlier about my nonprofit that about how it would be speaking about that. Mm-hmm. But I was doing a project for Beautiful Together where I went out at uh, four thirty in the morning mm. in um, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and it's pitch dark to photograph homeless children on mm-hmm. the streets. And the the, um, the ability to capture what's authentically occurring um, would not be possible with additive light. Like right. you're not. I mean, any sort of additive light would have ruined the experience and what you're trying to show. So it has to be a high ISO capture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking pitch dark, middle of the night streets, yeah. no lights around. Um, and I was shooting frames at 25k ISO. Uh, wow. And and were they ones that I would blow up to a 40 by 60 and, on a metallic print? No. no. But did they do the job in terms of trying to call people's, um, you know, empathy towards this experience and be able to show these images and mm-hmm. show? Yes, absolutely. So well, the camera yeah. saw in the dark. Yeah. Um, so they're they're they are they are hearing this, and it just seems to get better and better. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is I I hear people 
the second you, because let's be honest, it's always a clickbait thing when you say Nikon D5, three point something million. <laughs> First thing everyone says is, that's going to look like shit. It's unusable. And you go, <laughs> duh. Yes, that's for like when you see Osama bin Laden in a cave and you have to get right, 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 right. But let's talk about when you go that high. Oh, what does that mean? Suddenly 6,400 looks like 200. Looks and, amazing. Right. Like, and, and, truly, and, and, I, and then yeah. going upward. So you can say your your actual usable amount is tripled, mm-hmm. you know, and you said it. I mean, I know for me, my D4, I, I would say for me personally, taste-wise, everything else, 5,000 is like, for me, I can shoot 64, but it's a little too much noise that I like in certain mm-hmm. shots. So, you know, knowing that, but at the end of me, I know that's a lot better than my D3S. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot better than my D300 was, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I'm a huge proponent of natural light in those occasions especially because you you want to basically be able to go anywhere at any moment and, yeah. get, the, and get the shot. Right. And and your ability to capture speed. Yeah. I mean, it's through the roof now. It's, uh-huh. it's again, and it, not even just for pros, for somebody who wants to be uh, photographing their kids' uh, swim meet. Uh-huh. The lighting in there is horrible, you yeah. know, or, or basketball or whatever, and you can't use a flash. Right. Um, it's going to be, uh, I think, a really huge thing down the line, you know, because yeah. the D5, yes, it has that incredible thing, but the D500, which is a lot more reasonably priced mm-hmm. um has unbelievable iso too so yeah. yeah it'll be really interesting to see it all roll out yeah yeah yeah, no for sure um so i know speaking of that you've been lucky enough to be part of like a, a creative sponsor video right so it was like nikon's behind the scenes oh yeah yeah um like another guest we had on like renee robin she had a really great video with smug mug you know that mm-hmm. was that was a lot like when we we talked uh, when she came back on for the second time and we talked about like the process and it was like five days of shooting to get mm-hmm. like, you know, a four minute video. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely my my hat off to Smug Mug for for, you know, really going that uh, into the actual production aspect of it. So yours was a five part series. So what, what was that kind of like to make? Uh, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. Um, we wanted to do it. Um, you know, I, I tend to travel a lot for assignments and work mm-hmm. and stuff, but they came, all came here to North Carolina for cool. it, which is really neat. That's neat. Yeah. And um, it was uh, obviously uh, Nikon, several different um, sections in, of Nikon. The, there's the professional services, and then there's marketing, mm-hmm. and then there was the PR company, and then there was the production company. And the um, and Corey Rich, I don't know if you know him, but he mm-hmm. he, he and his team filmed it. Oh, okay. um, did a fantastic job. Um, and uh, and it was just a it was a cool experience in that uh, their directive was do what you do, and we'll just you know, we'll just ask you here and there to, to talk about it mm-hmm. and we'll frame it and we'll, you know, and, and yeah. so that's what I got to do, which was neat. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So what was it like, kind of like, um, did you have a series of shoots set up? Yeah, or? it was, we had a bunch of models come in and mm-hmm. by models, I, I tend to use real life humans, mm-hmm. you know, right. like, especially if you want to show how to work with children of all different natures, you can't really pull in a model. Like right. you've got to say, these right. are actual everyday children who are going to show all the same resistance and, you know, et cetera. Meltdowns and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also did, um, one where we just walked through all the lenses and you know what they do. We filmed that in my studio. Um, and, um, another one was just a couple, um, and, uh, and they all had a theme, you know, so Mm -hmm. one was about, um, how to, how to actually capture an authentic smile and just little tips and tricks. And they were all about two or three minutes each. I think about that. 
um, in terms of fully produced, but yeah, it took days and days and days. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and we had you know, assistance and, you know, all of that. But um, the whole thing was a really interesting experience too, because afterwards, some of the images, some of like the vertical images I shot, for instance, mm-hmm. were um, cropped to a horizontal nature for the th- the the mm-hmm. uh, broadcast, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so we're we're working through that. Um, but uh, overall, I thought you know it was it was just it was a lot of fun. It was a fun yeah. experience. That's great. That's awesome. So yeah. uh, going back a bit, you mentioned you know um, your your nonprofit work, mm-hmm. and and obviously, like you said, you've been doing a lot of nonprofit and charity work. I mean, how how did you kind of get into that line of work, and when was it? Because we t- we talk a lot about this with some people, like you know, like Peter and other people, where you know Chase Jarvis, where you you get to that tipping point in your career, mm-hmm. uh, where you sit there and you, you say you have the need to give back with whatever it is, your photo work, um, but give back in a sense of like whether you're teaching, whether it's one on one workshops, whether it's you know speaking at like the WPPI and other and other uh, venues, or you know creating your own kind of um, mentoring kind of thing. But but when, when was that? When did you kind of feel the need to give back and 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 again kind of then make the decision to kind of do the, the nonprofit charity stuff? Um, gosh, one of the things I thought was amazing about the profession of photography, if I could ever do this professionally, that was my feeling right when I started. Right. Um, was that um, that this was now something because all you know ever since I'd been working out of school, I would say and checks in to places that I wanted to support, like a lot of people do. Um, but I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could actually do something tangible in addition, you know, mm-hmm. or as well. Um, and then I started kind of thinking of, so right, right away, I started working with the Heart Gallery. Are you familiar with the Heart Gallery? Mm-hmm. Um, so they are an organization throughout the country that um, associates, uh, basically work with foster care in the oh, U.S. Okay. And photographers in states around the country um, will photograph children who are in foster care, who are um, paper ready to be adopted. Um, and there's all these kind of classifications within foster care, but children that are now able to be adopted. Right. Um, and the idea is to photograph them and, and provide a portrait session so that they can put a gallery together um, where maybe you are, you know, walking through a, um, a mall, for instance, and you see a gallery that's hung for two weeks. And it's the, um, you know, North Carolina Heart Gallery or the uh, Maryland Heart Gallery. And you walk through and you might see 12 framed images of these mm-hmm. children with a little placard that tells you more about them. Wow. Um, and the success rate they've had with that has been astounding. Like people wow. who'd never even thought about maybe adopting right. or were kind of done with their family and something about the way that child looked just really stirred something. And, yep. um, and it started a conversation and it led to an adoption. Um, wow. There's quite a, quite a lot of unbelievable stories there. So, um, so at the very beginning, I started photographing, um, with the heart gallery and, you know, over time, um, continued that work and, um, and being able to do things that, you know, I've always had a heart for adoption. Uh, Mm -hmm. two of our three children who are at home right now are adopted and we're in the process of adopting fourth. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that's always, you know, meant a lot to me. So we've done, you know, fundraisers for agencies and programs that are having financial problems Mm -hmm. and, um, and I told you I was, got really excited about the idea of writing a book. Yeah. Um, the book, my The Art of Children's Portrait Photography, I, spe- I put 100% of my proceeds to go to the Worldwide Orphans Foundation and uh, save the children. Um, wow. And I thought, how cool is it that I can start with nothing, yeah. create a product, and have it directly, constantly, residuals go to yeah. something I care so much about, you yeah. know? That's great. Um, all of that was... Uh, 
kind of already building. And it got to the point where, um, you know, and when we would travel to other countries like Ecuador and Ethiopia mm-hmm. and take photographs of children waiting in orphanages for mm-hmm. families, right. started realizing like that is really where the heart of the focus is. And that's the heart mm-hmm. of uh, what I feel most passionate about. And so then we created this nonprofit called Beautiful Together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that at beautifultogether.org. And, um, you know, went through the whole process of making a 501c3 and, mm-hmm. Um, which we is launched, not easy. <laughs> which is not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know why it's so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you said it. You said it. That was like <laughs> such a bummer. I was like, yeah. um, but anyway, went through all that and got that done, and um, and then have just made the last year about just about a complete focus on those projects and that work. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Now, quick question. So, was it that? Through that, in the beginning, you got you opened up your own mind to adoption, or adoption came first, and you just wanted to give back to that, knowing that you you, you personally were invested in it. Yeah, you know, I remember being a kid um, and thinking I'd love a family that was like some birth and some adoption, and I don't know where that came from. Maybe like a book or something I read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, by the time I'd met my husband, I told him I wanted. Uh, to do birth, adopt, birth, adopt. And he's like, hey, four kids. What was your name again? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, Um, gotta go. (laughs) I am really late. Uh, So that was date one. (laughs) one. He's standing at the door. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it turns out he was adopted and his sister was adopted. He was very open to the idea. Oh, shit, that's cool. So it ended up being this kind of neat cosmic thing. And and so after our daughter was born and I decided I wanted to not suck at photography anymore, um, we, when we adopted our son from Ethiopia at nine months, um, we, we lived in the orphanage where he was living at the time and just really tur- opened our eyes massively. So mm-hmm. it answered your question. It always had been there, mm-hmm. but then it be- kind of exploded, like right. with the actual practical yeah. use of <laughs> mm-hmm. time and realizing, wow, 150 million orphans. That's what this looks like, you know, yeah. close. Yeah. 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 And- so then we just said from now on, we're, we're just, we're going to keep building through adoption. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So are, are you into like documentaries and stuff? Are in, in documentaries? No, 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 into. Like, do you like watching them? Oh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Is this going to become a documentary? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and actually, have you ever seen Stuck? No. I, and I was going to say one to check out yeah, was um, Blood Brother. Blood Brother. If, yeah, I definitely looked that one that up. One. Um, it was, I happened to come across, I think, the producer and randomly... And they reached out to me about another project they did and just referenced our Sundance Award winning Blood Brother available on Netflix. And I was like, oh, let me check it out. Or Blood Brothers, I think. And I think it's Blood Brother. But amazing story about a, a guy who essentially was just an everyday kind of guy from Pittsburgh um, decided to live a year in India in a uh, HIV positive orphanage, you know, helping with kids, and then just went all in. You know, was there for what was going to be six months was like two years, came back, realized he didn't want to be back in the States, went back to India, um, met a girl, ended up courting her for like another year or two, getting married. And it was just, you know, it was like a four or five year journey. Um, yeah. And it was an amazing story. Um, so if you, it was, you know, about again, all of that, you know, culture clashes, you know, not only orphans, but orphans that, you know, are, are HIV positive. So you have an even more crazy subset of, of children that have an even harder time, you know, being, being uh, placed in a home. 
and and it was it was really you know kind of a, a very tugging heartstrings kind of thing and and I watched it with my girlfriend who's a big born of India went there when she was 16 for a few months for mission work and that kind of stuff and and we both were just crying you know what I mean like mm-hmm, it, it, was, mm-hmm. it was it was amazing so stuck I'll definitely have to check that one out oh yeah um, check that out well, it's interesting you mentioned the HIV thing. One of the things mm-hmm. that's very interesting is the the orphanage where we've done the most projects mm-hmm. to date um, in in Addis. Um, when we had adopted our son now 12 years ago, mm-hmm. they had uh, children who were HIV positive in one care area, wow. completely different building, and then children that weren't in another. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed now. Now they're they're commingling. The, the medicine is so there, you know, when you always have access to it. Um, and adopting a child today with HIV is not what it was. I mean, now that child can have an extremely normal, yeah. regular life, you That's know, amazing. with just making sure you, you follow some sort of protocols. It's mm-hmm. it's very different now than it used to be. The, the biggest thing that HIV children are fighting more than anything, I mean, not they are fighting, but that needs to be fought for them is the stigma. Yeah, I was about to say the stigma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's, that's a sure. very fortunate, you know, yay science. But um, <laughs> yeah, but, the, but yeah, 15, 12, 13 years ago, that was something that was a really big deal. If right. you wanted to consider adopting an HIV child, it was a really big deal. Right. Um, and that, that, I love that those standards are changing. Yeah. I mean, you said it, it it's, it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things. And, and I, and I think it's, it's the good, bad of technology is that like, you know, it, to me, it's, it does open up a lot of doors. It does yeah. open up the things that ordinarily just weren't possible. Right. You know, years before that, suddenly, yeah, you're you're able to to kind of erase a bit of that stigma, and, and definitely something that is you know a great benefit. Yeah, I mean, even even the idea of children in Africa, you know, mm-hmm. like we have this idea of children mm-hmm. in an orphanage in Africa, and right. um, I mean, that is just kids are kids are kids. It's ridiculous, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're silly, and they you know love all the you know body jokes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You say the word I mean, butt just, to a kid. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hilarious in every language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been back three times in the last 18 months working on all these various projects and we'll be going back again soon. And mm. it's just like a reunion. We go back, you know, That's cool. It's very cool. That's very cool. So changing gears a bit, tell us a bit about uh, Redefined Show and mm-hmm. how, when is it that you came up with the idea for that show? Um, you know, uh, so we've been doing it almost five years. This summer will be five years, uh, which is kind of nuts. And, um, I came up with the idea because I loved the idea of focusing, um, a program around what I knew really moved the needle as far as it it came to like doing work you love. Mm -hmm. You know, I think at the time, um, I seemed like most of what I saw out there were either tutorials or um, if they were in-depth conversations, they were very teaching about f-stops and shutter speed and et cetera. And not that that's not important, but right. you know, at the end of the day, what what really makes people rise above, and I've just I just know this is this idea of um, you know it's the decisions they've made, what they've learned, mm-hmm. um, the ability, how, how you manage failure, you yeah. know, how yeah, you can sure. manage criticism. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of unbelievable artists I know who leave the profession because of criticism, especially yeah. online criticism, is just sad. It's just tough. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think, you know, one of the things I discovered, too, and I wanted to really explore with people, and I do often on, on the show, is um, having taught so much and, and for so long now, um, like, there's so many things that you can teach, but I've never figured out how to teach somebody a sense of Mm self-worth 
Um, and it's the hardest thing to learn. It has to come so from within. You could say all the words and it just, you know, that has to be something that is that, that someone comes to in their own way. And, um, and, and one of the things I wanted to talk to people about was, you know, these, not just their fears and insecurities, but also that kind of, um, that nerve wracking nature of, uh, am I worth it? Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and let, let's be honest, forget artists. How about as human beings? Oh, yeah. We're huge on self-deprecation. We're huge on downplaying ourselves, on, on doubting things and self-doubt. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's and, and like you said, work aside, you know, photography work aside, it's just in your life. You know, when you get to yeah. a comfortable place for some of us, it's not 30s, 40s, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Where you sit there and say, okay, I'm a little more comfortable with my skin. I'm more self-aware uh, of what I want to do, what I like, what I don't like. And having the ability, like you said, then the self-worth part comes in where you say, okay, you, you are worth that. You know, you are able to go get that, go do it and and crush it, you know, because yeah. because you you are you and, 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 and playing towards your strengths. Yeah, so it's, that's pretty neat. And that's a funny thing. I'll definitely check it out more because uh, that's what we try and do here. You know, people hear about what I do and they go, oh, so it's like a photography podcast? I'm like, no. Oh, you talk yeah. about gear? I'm like, not not really, honestly. Yeah. And uh, and imagine that. Imagine we recently brought on Borrow Lens as a sponsor and I tell them, we're not a gear, we're not a gear podcast. Right. You know, like, and, and you got to be okay with that. And they're like, no, sure. Like you're going to, like you said, you're going to get to know the person behind the camera. We're going to ask questions and aren't the similar kind of things that are always asked uh, in an effort to break up the usual kind of, uh, like you said, the tutorials and how-tos and other stuff that are, are very viable. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of them, you know? So so yeah. an effort to kind of stand out. So speaking of that, speaking of the, the tutorial stuff, like many guests of the show, you're a Creative Alive alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how was that experience for you in terms of, you know, being on there and 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 kind of, again, polishing your chops of... of teaching, speaking, and I know for a lot of people, you can say, okay, I'll do it on a stage, but that a creative live is a whole other animal, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and how that went for you. Well, the, um, so the first one I ever did, it was still, it was literally the first year, 2010. Oh, wow, okay. Yep. So it's 2010, and there had been, I think, only four that whole year, and then I was going to be the last one of the year, mm-hmm. I think is how it was. Um, and I think so. I think I know there were five for the year and I was either the last or the second, to last one. Right. And at the time it was this really bizarre concept to be on the air for three days. Um, and, uh, I got a call from, you mentioned Chase Jarvis, got a call mm-hmm. from Chase. Um, and he just kind of, you know, I'd already, um, knew him and through, we were friends. Through Nikon or just other stuff or? No, no, this was just, um, he had, I had been recommended as someone had asked, uh, they did this, they were doing this. So when they were making these classes, they would do these polls and yeah. ask everybody, who's the one person you would yeah. think would be really good at this. Right. Um, and, and then, so I had been recommended, um, and then I'd gotten an email asking if I'd be open to it, um, and describing what it was. And, um, and I, it's like, sounds really interesting. I, I, I didn't commit right away cause I didn't exactly know what it would entail. Right, right. Um, and then I got a call from Chase and he was just very excited and he was really focused on like, you know, just where this could be, where you could see it going, you know, and wow, where they've taken it, you yeah, know? Yeah, but, yeah. um, and so I got very caught up in that. And by the end of the conversation, I was like, yes, I want to do it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, so the actual program was, um, you know, the three full days and we, um, 
we re- really were like, let's just think out of the box and put something together. And my, mm-hmm. my whole idea was, you know, if I could put a microphone in, in, inside a child's brain to see what they're thinking and feeling, mm-hmm. can we do that yet? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Are so we there? <laughs> couldn't do that, but we were able to set up a thing where we had a camera really tightly on kids' faces, and then I would read micro expressions, and then oh, juxtapose wow. that with what I was doing and shooting and talking yeah. about why I was responding to certain things. Um, and uh, and but it was you know it was a completely different set, completely different production team for production value. Yeah. Um, literally at one point, like the night before we started, my audience put together all the lights, and while I was doing a live shoot, um, the light just fell, <laughs> like just flat. And I was trying to like get it up and, and then I realized like somebody had screwed the thing on backwards and oh, I, and like, I was like, Oh, can I get a little bit of help here real quick? Yeah, Anybody? Yeah. And there's like nobody there to help. Like oh, not man. Just that hadn't happened before. Right. 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 So now that kind of stuff is covered, but That's funny. yeah, it was funny. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned something. So, you know, obviously working with kids, it's, you know, it's, it's the a, a, a whole thing, you know, and, and I remember growing up, I, I was the youngest of three, so I didn't have any younger brothers and sisters, which I, made me really sad for like the first 10 years of my life. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, years, yeah, yeah, I filled, I filled that void because then as I got older, I became a camp counselor and I was in like middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a big brother uh, to the you know, big brother, big sister foundation. And, you know, then I, as I got older, I had nieces and nephews and now I have kids of my own. So, so it's definitely different. But what was that like writing a book about your process for shooting kids who can't pose? Cause that's my thing. I, I never got into family portraits, but I always, uh, I worked for a studio where we did it. And luckily they were, they, that studio meshed well with my style, which was don't pose them. Asking yeah. a three, whatever year old to sit still. Yeah. And smile, you're going to get this, you know, yeah. like you're going to get that, well. <laughs> that forced, painful looking smile uh-huh. and it's not genuine. So instead run around, tickle your sister, tell jokes, whisper, you know, um, funny things in their ear, make them laugh. And, and you're able to get that. So what was it like, you know, like you said, kind of, kind of writing that book on, on things that you had, you had kind of, uh, encountered. Yeah. So, um, the idea for the book was everything you just said, you know, uh, I had, I had gotten into photography when I first got into photography, I couldn't stand that posed forced anything. And so mine was completely the other way, just all spirit and expression and everything and movement. Um, and what I started realizing as I got more experienced and more capable and this and that, I I started saying, okay, I think I could do it both though. I think I could get spirit expression, but great exposure, great Mm -hmm. catch light. You know, I could take the second to get the hair out of their face to make it a really much like a cooler shot where it's mm-hmm. wild but clear, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. all of that. And then so um, I started de- developing these little techniques. And then so the book came about, I just said, okay, well, let me show, I, if I showed people exactly what I started with, which is what everybody else starts with, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not photographing models, right? Like right, I said, right. so I'll, I'll have um, a kid doing what a kid does, whether it's the forced smile or the um, the schlumpy pose or the running around, but yeah, but you don't really get much in the way of feel from them. They're just a blur. Right. right, right. Um, and so that, that shot, and then, um, and then the final shot, what I ended up getting, um, how do I, how do I go to that? And so I just basically talked about my process as it related to, um, you know, obviously how I would make sure I got the lighting set up. Cause sometimes the lighting is part of it. It's, yeah. I, I'm never sitting there lighting this at exactly this, you know, four or five, the kid's right. gone done, you know, like, okay, so how can you do things? Like, how can you bring Mm -hmm. in, um, like I did a shoot, uh, not that long ago where I had the, um, ice light, 
Uh, yeah. the, and, um, and I had this child who was just terrified of the camera, would just get all upset. And, and you see things like that. And so I used some things and I pulled a little bit out of the shell, but then I th- was acting, but I wanted to light her better. And we were out on location. And so I acted like the ice light was a little baby. I was like, oh, she's just a little baby. <laughs> I said, you want to hold? And, and, and she, that was that she lit up. She held it literally, you know? Right, where had, you would have wanted it. <laughs> I had her hold her arms out a little bit. It was like the perfect lighting on yeah, her. Yeah, You know, and it was just some tight close-ups and boom, let's keep going. Um, so it's, it's so many little tricks like that. Right. And um, so I just started writing about, you know, this is before and here are my problems. This yeah. was the lighting problem. This was the um, exposure issue. This was the framing issue. Um, this is what I want to change from um, a more flattering angle. Mm-hmm. And this is the personality conflict I'm having. This is the the issue I'm having getting genuine expression. Right. Right, and so here are all the things I'm doing and this is the final shot. And yeah. so I just did that over and over again about, you know, I don't know how many examples, 88 pages worth of examples. Wow. Um, and that became our, the posing playbook uh, for kids who don't do posing. Mm-hmm. And then I heard, that was about three and a half years ago. And then I heard about three years of people saying, great, where's the family one? <laughs> and so so uh, I ended up writing that about six months ago and oh, did the okay. same exact thing. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's literally called the family posing playbook. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, the experience of writing it all is like, you sit there and you finish it and you're like, ah, damn, I know a lot. <laughs> like, I, I actually yeah. know this stuff. Yeah. yeah. You're like, Ooh, so, look at that, man. Put my wow. thoughts on paper. All right. That's <laughs> That's yeah, great. It was cool. So, it. so speaking of that, tell me what, what's some, like the biggest thing you've got in the pipeline that you can talk about? Um, the biggest thing I've got in the pipeline that I can talk about, um, the, uh, well, you know, the thing I'm probably most excited about right now mm-hmm. is the last project that we got started in Africa was the, um, build, uh, an orphan feeding kitchen project. Wow. Um, it was basically working with a village in Kora in Ethiopia. Um, and, uh, they had all existed around this trash dump. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's where they got their food. That's where they scrapped wow. for plastics. That's how they got their daily meal. Yeah. And um, about, uh, well, about a few months ago, they moved the trash dump for good reasons for the country to be more eco right. everything. So it was a good move, but it was devastating to the village. Mm. Um, and so one of the things they need to do, um, we'd already been working with them to um, fund a feeding kitchen mm. for the last year. But um, they needed, or excuse me, a feeding program. Um, but they fed them out of these this like mud home and, you know, and, and now suddenly need to feed more kids more often. Um, and, uh, so we, we did a fundraiser where we were able to, um, you know, same thing, tell the story, take the photographs, get some really good, uh, video, mm-hmm. um, and then share it. That's kind of the, been the process of what we've done for beautiful together. Um, and then, um, so we got the feeding kitchen up and going, which mm-hmm. was amazing. I literally just posted about it today on my Facebook page. Oh, wow. Um, it's on my blog. You can go to Tamerlaki blog and, and see it. But um, we got the feeding kitchen up and running and we were able to expand the program. But we realized that we did, um, people were so generous with wanting to help. We had enough uh, money left over to create an income generating um, center for them. Oh, wow. And so we're starting. So the next big project to answer your question yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is uh, creating a bakery and a coffee roasting. Um, wow, that's so, cool. Yeah, so it's not it's not photography per se, although photography is complementing all of this, and of it's course. actually making it possible. Yeah, it's it's been astounding to me that photography is literally 
saving children's lives. Like yeah. that's astounding to me. No, yeah, yeah. And and, and that goes back to this, the power of what we do. Oh, no, it's know? crazy. And, it's crazy. And people, I mean, me myself, and I downplay it, but at the same time, it, yeah, it's got it's very powerful. You know, it's just a matter of if you if you channel that, you know, or not right, and work and that kind right. of stuff. So tell me, we're going to get these, um, we have a few questions left, right? But these questions are going to get a little deep. Right? Okay. We're going, so, we're going deep. We're going deep. So right. um, I know we're, we're approaching about an hour. So if we can keep the responses like a minute or two. Okay. All right. Cool. I can do it. Deep now, in a minute. Deep in a minute. <laughs> the deep 60 <laughs> seconds. your new segment. Deep. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Deep in a minute. Right. Um, what's the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career? The biggest risk I've taken in my artistic career. Um, gosh, I hate to make it all about this, but beautiful together. Yeah. Because it wasn't just the risk as in what it took to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an extraordinary opportunity cost for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and fine, I'm happy with it. I'm obviously thrilled about it and very excited about it. Right. But it was a it was a risk to say, I'm gonna forego this much income for this amount of time while I just pour all my energy and effort into a hundred percent volunteer activity right. that gives back unbelievably. Right. But not from a dollar perspective in any right. way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was very fulfilling. Where, yeah, and my husband's doing a ton of work too, and he runs his own business as well. We both what does run. He, do? he has a, a actually he has three businesses. A fit. They all complement each other. A fitness um, magazine, endurance magazine, hmm. um, an online sports registration uh, site, sportoffen.com, where you could okay. go sign up for races around the country. Oh, very cool. And um, a production company, so he puts on half marathons and five milers, and um, very neat. Yeah, so um, it's a really, he has a huge race coming up this uh, Saturday. Um, they've, they've got, they're closing down our town, Chapel Hill, for it. Oh, so wow. it'll be really neat. Um, but the, uh, but so we, he also, you know, we co founded this together. We both kind of had to look at everything and say, all right, yeah. well, let's take this hit for X amount of time and it's going to be risky, mm-hmm. but we think it'll be worth it. And it's, it's definitely been worth it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so biggest risk in your career. Now tell us, what is your name, your biggest fear? creatively my biggest fear creatively can you explain that what do you mean um so for some people it's uh it's basically uh remaining relevant you know oh, so okay. so it's like okay i'm so producing the work and people like it and that's great and it's awarded me success and and opportunities but what if suddenly you know that that just kind of comes out and you're whether you're a comedian actor a photographer whatever you start if it runs work, out no one yeah. really cares anymore uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my biggest fear creatively. Well, my biggest fear creatively, I've faced a couple times already and will probably face again, which is that I get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's happened thing. already. Yeah, yeah. My first three years in business, I was working around the clock, mm-hmm. insane hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I burnt out and I was ready to quit. And then I changed a bunch of stuff. And that's happened. I think I have left quote unquote photography three or four times in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always, I always find a way back to something very exciting. So yeah. that is my biggest fear that I will be, you know, not as passionate about what I do every day. Yeah. Now, is that for you, has that been like, uh, we're going to talk about like personal projects, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff you do, let's just say volunteer work is essentially yeah. a personal project. So <laughs> huge personal has, project. has yeah. that been able to like kind of reinvigorate? Uh, your passion, that kind of stuff, and, and yeah, big time. I mean, like one of the companies I do a lot of work with is Nations Photo Lab. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know them, mm-hmm. but they um, they um, they came to me and said, "We want to do a cool new video, but it could be whatever you want. What do you want to do?" And I was like, "You know what? If I could do anything, I would photograph a ton of puppies." <laughs> <laughs> so we literally spent an entire day photographing so cool. a ton of puppies, Aww. puppies, 
all and that we did pu- these videos. All that puppy breath. Oh. Yes, it was fantastic. <laughs> so like it got to be like a personal project right. of sorts. Right. But I got to work with somebody else to do it. That you know, and I do a lot of that. I feel like a lot of my job is like, all right. I don't know. What can we do? Let's figure yeah, it out. What yeah. would be the coolest keep, thing to do keep, right now? Right. Keeps you fresh. That's yeah. really neat. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So um, tell me, name the most meaningful moment in your career thus far. Oh, that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was relatively recently. I uh, photographed all 65 children living in uh, the orphanage I told you about mm-hmm. at, in um, Ethiopia and um, found a way to print all the prints. Um, which was not nearly as easy as I thought it might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, got them all mounted um, and hung the whole gallery, and literally everybody came out to watch it. Everybody who lived there, the nuns, the caregivers, all the kids. The kids were high-fiving and screaming and running back in. And, and I hung this whole gallery thinking I was just going to put up the prints, and the excitement would happen later when they saw them. Right. Um, but everybody, that that two hours was just exhilarating and by far the best validation I could ever receive that that what I'm doing in my career matters. That's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, because I can imagine you start putting one up and they're like, oh, there's Johnny. Yeah. Everyone yeah, freak yeah, out. Yeah. Everyone freak yeah. out. Kids dancing yeah. around. <laughs> like, that's the lassie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me, what is the biggest regret in your career on the opposite of that spectrum? The biggest regret? Um, well, I mentioned earlier those first three years of my career. I spent three years working around the clock. And I mean three to four hours of sleep a night as a norm. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying so hard to not take away from my family, you yeah. know, yeah. wanting to uh, quickly get better, but but shooting a ton. Uh, I, you know, I think I could have easily, instead of suffering for three years and almost burning out completely, mm-hmm. I could have implemented really smart business much earlier right. and made, made money much earlier, yeah. slept better, yeah. longer. Worked, worked smarter, not harder. That yeah, kind of yeah. Like some people say like, oh, that was really tough, but I'm glad I did it. No, I could have skipped a couple of those years. <laughs> You're like, you're like, yeah, those are very formative and really character building, but I'm good. I feel yeah. like I would have been all right without it. Yeah, I for sure. I would have less of that. For sure. So uh, we always do this one, especially with photographers, it's great. If you couldn't share your work with anyone, not your husband, not your kids, would you still shoot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because I have taken quite a number of images and i mean the vast vast majority of images as you know you too probably yeah i have shot i don't show anybody a i can't get to it um we travel a few months out of the year and we travel like we go and explore and i'm shooting like crazy Mm -hmm. and i have easily a backlog of years of stuff i loved shooting i Mm -hmm. love the experience of framing and the challenge of getting the right spot to get the best way to see it that I probably won't show anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And, and it's funny, like we asked that and I think the responses are, are about 50-50. Mm. But, and I'll tell you the other ones, you can see it, but but at the same time, the answer is always immediate. You know, it's like, yeah, like you said, I'm the same. You know or don't know, yeah. Right, I, I, I shoot all the time by myself with my phone or things I see and no one ever sees it. Uh, then other people say, well, uh, I really, what I really enjoy, like you mentioned, your most meaningful moment, is sharing that with other people. And if mm. you took that away from me and made it a very solitary kind of thing, yeah, I might think back to when I first started and, and still want to shoot, but it wouldn't be the same. Mm. You know, and, and I talked to someone who, I think it was a comedian, and they, and they were talking about uh, singers. Okay, imagine telling a singer, you worked on your craft and you record, you're alone in a room and you recorded this amazing 
version of this song that was so emotive and all this other stuff. And you had to hit delete before you walked out of the room. <laughs> and I was like, damn, <laughs> that is a lot different. I was like, yeah. okay, you know, yeah. like, and, and that's where it is, where you sit there yeah. and say like, for a lot of us, let's be honest, uh, take the ego out of it. It's just uh, some sort of validation that you impacted someone else's life for the better. Yeah, and that's great. Absolutely. You know, so if you take that out, a lot of people are like, mm, I don't know. You know, yeah. like, so, so I, I personally well, it'd see. Be, it'd be mm, a loss. Yeah, for but sure. But I would still shoot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, oh, you're right. It'd yeah. be a loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I always see both ways. You know, I always see both. Um, so listen, Tamara, thank you for taking the time out. Uh, I know right now you're you're doing you're moving studios and the craziness and that sort of thing. <laughs> so I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, uh, where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do? Absolutely. Um, TamaraLackey.com is my website, and that's T-A-M-A-R-A. Um, and uh, on Twitter, Tamara Lackey. Facebook, Tamara Lackey Photography. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Tamara Lackey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty consistent across all the all the bots, nice. all the social media places. Nice. Okay, great. Now, last but not least, uh, who is someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? Mm, have you talked to Robin Layton yet? No. Oh, you should talk to Robin. She's fantastic. Uh, she is a uh, photographer, filmmaker, photojournalist. Uh, she creates gallery pieces that are stunning. Oh, wow. Um, she is quite a talent and a great person, too. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. Robin Layton, you said? Robin Layton, L-A-Y-T-O-N. Sweet. I spelled it and right. And she's, photo- she's photographed all the people, you know, the Oprahs yeah. and such. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's got uh, quite a cool uh, resume, but she's just an awesome person. Very cool. All right. Well, listen, Tamara, again, thank you for uh, taking the time out and that sort of thing. I know I had a great time. An hour flies by, right? You never realize I know. That. Boom. <laughs> We've been talking for that long. But, um, you know, I hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you again soon. If not, yes. PPE for sure. Something, Perfect, something for sure. All, All right. right. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Bye. Have a good one. So guys, if you're curious about using borrow lenses, you'll be happy to know all of their gear is tested, calibrated, reset, and cleaned after every order. They accept major credit card and most debit cards, and the majority of orders they process do not require a deposit. They love it when their gear gets to travel worldwide, but you have to promise to share some photos when you get back. Remember to visit borrowlenses.com and enter AM10 to redeem your exclusive 10% Angry Millennial discount.